to uh, thank Hadam and Mike for uh, uh, helping uh, us with uh, worship today. And Hadam, of course, has been uh, leading praise through this whole year, and uh, Mike has been uh, leading the media team. And I know there's been a lot of uh, praise team and media team people who have been helping out. They're not all here, uh, but uh, Hadam and Mike are here. And so can we just give them a, a hand of, of thanks? So thank you guys so much. Right, we are going to go into today's scripture reading, which comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. We're going to read this in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles. Uh, there's some under your pews if you want to look that up uh, in a Bible or a Bible app. It will also be projected behind me. So again, that's Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And once you are ready to read today's scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word, that would be great. Again, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today's message uh, is called Resolve, and uh, I think it's very fitting, of course, it being New Year's Eve. I know a lot of us are thinking about, what could we possibly change in the new year? We have this whole tradition of New Year's resolutions. And it, are New Year's resolutions something that you, you, you do or your family does? Or maybe your, your home churches do? Uh, I, I used to have to go to a, a New Year's Eve service uh, every year at my home church, and they would always... Uh, you know, pass out pieces of paper, and you could write down your New Year's resolution. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, what a resolution is. And, of course, you know, we could go on and on about how uh, a lot of New Year's resolutions don't stick. We know that. <laughs> but in many ways, I, I don't think the idea of a New Year's resolution is bad, per se, right? Because it just simply means a resolution is a firm to decision to do or not do something. And that's pretty good, right? Like, I think it's good to resolve to do something, you know? Um, Like like, uh, that that famous uh, wise person once said, he's not really a person, he's a little green guy, fictional green guy, Yoda, you know? Dare I try to do a Yoda impression? Do or do not. There is no try. I I don't know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's the best it's going to get. Um, but this idea that, yeah, if you're going to decide to do something, don't, don't say you're going to do it and not follow through. You should be firm in your resolution. And I think that that idea is really good. But when you think about why resolutions don't work out, or you know, maybe like in our head it sounds good, but there's no follow through, I wonder if part of the reason is because usually the question that people ask is, what is your resolution? But maybe we should be asking the question, why? Why make a resolution? You know, what is behind a resolution? So for many of us, we just kind of like make something up, right? But what is it based on? You know, uh, some of the common resolutions are like, you know, I don't know, I'm going to lose weight. 
Uh, I'm going to get more organized. I'm going to get my finances in order, these kinds of things. And none of these things are bad, right? But you think about, like, what is uh, under uh, a resolution? And I think for a lot of our decision-making process, be it in the new year or just as we go through life, it's going to be motivated by certain things. And some of the most common things that kind of, like, underlie why we make decisions Um, It is based on, well, our flesh, as we might call it, which is the system, uh, as Paul talks about it, of of your mind, your emotions. Some of it is is just uh, natural, right? Uh, Sometimes we call it sinful flesh, but it simply means that we haven't completely been transformed by God. It's just kind of naturally what we're born with. And I think underneath a lot of our decisions are a desire for comfort and security, and a desire for pleasure or happiness. Maybe some of us are like, okay, uh, I need to make more money. Why? Why do we want to make more money? I need to get a better job, you know? Uh, Because we want comfort and security, right? Uh, Because in many ways, um, there's this fear that if we don't make enough money, that, you know, our our lives are going to be unstable. You know, something might happen. Economy can be tough, right? There's a lot of inflation, you know? And again, these things aren't necessarily bad, but I just want us to understand why we're making these decisions. And another thing, you know, maybe you have a resolution. I want to travel more. I want to see family. I want to hang out with my friends more. You know? Maybe it's a desire uh, underneath it for pleasure or happiness. And again, none of these things are bad, but a lot of these things are natural. It's your flesh, right? And the thing is, we all have these desires, But at the end of the day, we have to ask, is that really giving us what we really want? Because at the end of the day, I think there are many people who are always searching for these things, and they're not satisfied, right? There seems to be something missing. And so the question is, what is missing from this list of of the why of resolutions, of why you make decisions, of why you're chasing anything in life? And maybe what you'll find is that what is missing is purpose, right? You could have all of these things, right? You could have the comfort and security and pleasure and happy, you know, this kind of worldly happiness, or at least what we think is going to make us happy, you know, having lots of stuff, having lots of money. You know, again, money gets (laughs) thrown in a lot of these things, right? Because we think of it as both. We think of it as security and pleasure, right? We can do whatever we want. You know, that, that there's, that there's a reason why, uh, you know, I've, I've <laughs> made this observation before that uh, when people uh, win the lottery or when you see people on a game show and they win a million dollars, the kind of joy that they have in that moment, that kind of happiness that they express, it's unlike anything else you'll see in this world. Why? Because they think all their dreams are going to come true. But what we found is, <laughs> you know, they've done all this research, which on, on one level, I think we should know this from, from a, a very uh, visceral standpoint. But in many ways, we're still shocked. Sometimes we don't even believe it. When people do uh, research and they say, hey, if you take a lottery winner and a non-lottery winner, if, if you even take like, someone like a paraplegic, someone who's paralyzed, and you, you judge their happiness you know, like, like a day or a few days after the event, of course, the lottery winner is really happy, and the paraplegic is really like not happy, right? But what you find is after a year, it kind of levels out. And you find that the lottery winners are no happier than anyone else, right? 
And so it does seem to be that there's something missing. And I think a lot of us, we sense that, right? That's why some of us, we may have jobs that pay a lot of money, you know? But still, it feels like something is missing. It's as if, right, like the things that we've been talking about, that we are not just animals or, you know, there's, there's something greater. We have been made with a divine spark, right? And it's as if we were made for a greater purpose, right? And it's something that we believe only God can give us. I think that's part of the reason why people wanted to follow Jesus. I think they saw something in Jesus, and they're like, hey, I could just live my life the way it was, but you seem to have something. And so there's people who would come along, and Jesus would ask uh, them to follow him, or they might volunteer, and they say, Jesus, I want to follow you. But in the passage we just read, which is kind of surprising, is Jesus would turn some away. Or he would give them kind of a a word of caution, right? So as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is like, okay, I think you need to think about that word wherever, right? Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So in another passage, Jesus talks about this idea that, you know, if you're going to build a tower, you got to make sure you've got enough... uh, uh, Material, you got to do the measurements. If you're going to go into battle, right, one army another against another, you, you want to judge your resources in the size of the army, right? In other words, Jesus would say, you got to count the cost. And so that seems to be what he's saying to this person is, have you really thought about what it means to follow me wherever I go? Because you may be searching for comfort, but in many ways, following me sometimes going to be uncomfortable right? You guys remember, we already said this, right? What is the desire that we're looking for? What is behind a lot of the decisions? Comfort and security, pleasure or happiness. Again, they're not bad, but Jesus seems to be pointing to something, right? There's a conflict that's happening, right? The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, nowhere comfortable at least. And to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father." And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So this person seems to have responsibilities. And you may be saying, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with going and burying your father, right? Like that seems to be a very important familial responsibility. And Jesus' response seems to be kind of callous. But friends, what is kind of interesting about what's going on is you're going to see in the next person who says they want to follow Um, you see another theme emerging. And and yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And then Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, seems a little callous. What's wrong with going home to say goodbye? Why does Jesus say that if you're going to work for the kingdom of God, you look back, you're not fit for it. What does he mean by this? So if you see these second things that are happening, right? Bearing your father, going to say goodbye to your family. Well, you see, in Middle Eastern society, uh, in, in first century Palestine, uh, in this society, family was everything, right? It's the most important thing. Right? And if you look at most societies, there is going to be one kind of operating principle 
that dominates all of these different societies. Uh, this is not an original thought to me, um, but if, like, like any society, right? Like, so you could look at some, and you could say family is the most important. In many parts of Asia, that's true, right? East Asia, family is the most important thing, right? It's going to be the organizing principle. You know? And it was true of first century Palestine, right? For others, it might be the government, right? Maybe it's like, like uh, you know, uh, socialist, communist kind of thing. You know, the, the government is the organizing principle. Maybe it's religion, right? Or maybe it's money. <laughs> Which one is it for America, friends? Clearly, I think it's clearly money, and I don't think it's close. But, but it, no matter what, though, uh, regardless, right? So if the organizing principle for uh, first century Palestine, for uh, a Jewish person, would be family, it's the most important thing. Look at what they're saying. They're like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to serve my family first. Right? And so Jesus says, if you are going to serve the kingdom, you cannot look back. In other words, you can't do both. You have to prioritize one. Because do you notice what they say? They say, first, first, before I follow you, Jesus, first, I need to go and bury my father. Before I follow you, Jesus, I need to go and say goodbye to my family, right? And so Jesus knows that this is the operative question. What is the most important thing to you, right? So in many ways, you're not focused on the kingdom entirely. It's not the most important thing to you. You're looking back, and you're like, well, that's actually the most important thing to me because I'm going to do this first. It's a question of priority, right? And so what Jesus is getting at is a very important principle, right? So other, in other places, Jesus says, right, in Matthew 6.33, this is my paraphrase, pursue the kingdom, seek the kingdom and God's righteousness first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, and everything else will be provided for, Right? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying that there are many things that, of course, you need them, right? Are comfort and security bad? No. Is pleasure and happiness bad? No. Is family bad? Of course not, right? But Jesus is saying it's not the most important thing. The first thing you should be doing is pursuing the kingdom and his righteousness. Remember what Jesus said. You got to count the cost. And what Jesus understands that I think all of us understand is when you say yes to one thing, it always means saying no to another, right? So if you take one job, what are you doing? You're saying no to all the other jobs, unless you have multiple jobs. But let's say it's a full-time job, right? You can't have multiple full-time jobs. Some people try, and it's pretty tough, right? If you say a yes to marry one person, at least in this country, <laughs> it means you're saying no to all others, right? If you say yes to one cell phone carrier, probably means you're saying no to the others, right? Like, like we understand this principle. And so Jesus is saying this to them. I want you to count the cost, and I'm telling you, following me is better, right? It is better than all these other things, right? But in many ways, you will not be convinced of this. You'll keep kind of looking over your shoulder unless you what? Commit. Or the word we've been using, the title of this message, you resolve. 
you make a decision. What is it that you really want? And what is it that you will really do, right? And for many people, we don't make that decision. In this world, like, like, of course, you know, following Jesus would have been very clear back then. It means pack your bags, right? It means get out of your house and come and follow me. And so Jesus is like, I can't have you looking over your shoulder. If you're going to follow me, if you follow me, right? If you're going to follow me, then we're going to hit the road, right? You can't go and do these other things first, right? And you need to understand that now your allegiance is going to be with me. Right? So it was very clear back then. But now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, it doesn't mean you quit your job in many cases. Maybe sometimes it does. Right? But for many of us, you can keep the job. You can keep the family. You can keep doing all these other things. And yet, there does seem to be this idea of priority and importance. Right? And so, in many ways, friends, when we think about what is the most important thing, like, like we're going back to this idea of Resolution, you know, why? Why make a resolution? Is the thing that you're resolving to do, is that going to really give you what you really want? Again, it's not bad to lose weight. (laughs) It's a good thing, right? It's not bad to, um, you know, look for a, a more fulfilling job or a better job necessarily. It's not necessarily bad, Right? But what is the why behind all of those things? What are we really looking for, right? I think sometimes resolutions don't work. One, because we, we don't necessarily count the cost. We don't really think it through. We don't really think like, hey, how am I going to resolve to do something that for 365 days previous I was not able to do? But all of a sudden, I just decide to do it. But the way things work for us is that you know, sometimes resolving to do something, or at least thinking that you're resolving to do something, it's not the same thing as doing it, right? There's a follow-through that needs to come, right? And for many of us, I do think the why question does come into to, uh, effect, you know? Uh, some of that, counting the cost, some of it is, is really, why am I doing this? When it's hard, Right? Because if you say yes to exercise, what are you saying no to? <laughs> At least in that moment. You're saying no to sitting on the couch. If you say yes to eating healthy, you're saying no to eating unhealthy, right? And so many of us, when we're sitting there and we're eating our celery, right, instead of eating the pie or the ice cream, we're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> if it was to make you happy, I mean, maybe eating the ice cream makes you happier, right? Maybe sitting on the couch, at least in the moment, it feels like it's making you happier, right? But if you have this greater why, I don't know, maybe it's like, hey, I have a history of heart disease in my family, and I love my family, and I know my purpose is greater than just myself. I want to be there for my family, right? It's not going to necessarily feel good in the moment, but if I want to be there for my family, if I want to be the best, you know, husband, wife, son, daughter, uh, um, you know, that I can possibly be, um, then I'm going to put down this pie and I'm going to get my butt to the gym, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's the resolution you make if that is your why, right? But, but I wonder for us that, that as Jesus is talking about all these things, you know, um, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I think that when Jesus says, follow me, 
that I think Jesus knows that it's going to give you what you really want. What does it mean to follow Jesus, right? What, what, what does it mean uh, to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, right? It means that we are fundamentally saying, Jesus, when you are my Lord and my master, right, um, you are above all of these other things, right? And in many ways, I think that when we resolve, even the idea of a resolution, when we think and we're like, hey, what do I want? What is best for me, right? Really, we are the ones who are in control. But following Jesus means following Jesus above your own flesh. The, the flesh that normally seeks for pleasure and security and comfort and all of these things, right? Your mind and your flesh are preoccupied with that. But when we say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. When Jesus says, if you seek first the kingdom and the righteousness of God, all of these things will be added unto you. He knows that we do need security, right? And in Jesus, you will have eternal security. What greater security is there than to live forever with Jesus, right? You have a God who's taking care of you, who knows everything that you need and will provide for you. Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Why do you toil, right? Like, like look at all of these, these, these people, all the, these, these beings and this world that is provided for by God. Don't you think that your heavenly father will take care of you as well, right? You don't need to be so worried about it. If you serve God, God will provide, right? Lasting joy. We're looking for happiness, but that happiness is fleeting. But if we follow Jesus, and if we follow the way of Jesus, if we live for Jesus, it gives us a joy that this world cannot give. I mean, one of the things that we've been talking about is this idea of love, right? And in many ways, that is the purpose that God has given us, to love others. Love God, love your neighbor, right? To serve others above yourself. It is not what comes naturally. We think we need to get something in order to be happy, But in many ways, Jesus has shown us through his life, you need to give something. You need to give of your life. You need to give for others. You need to sacrifice, right? And if you do that, you're going to see the joy of Jesus, right? And there are many people who have found that, the joy of giving, the joy of serving, right? Um, And so a lasting joy, when we connect to the purpose that God has given us, um, and we find that, you know, as I've said many times, blessing, love, Peace, a lot of these things, they're not a product. It's a stream. It's like a river, right? And what it means to be in the stream of blessing and love and joy means that you receive it, of course, but it also means you freely give it. And as you freely give it, God gives it more, right? And so as we follow the kingdom of God, right, that that's what it means, that we are putting ourselves firmly in the stream of God's blessings, right, of God's love, of God's joy, of God's peace, right? And we receive that, but we also give it, right? And then we have real purpose. We know that that's what we were created for, right? And we're going to come alive in a way that maybe we never have before. And so, friends, I want to invite you in this new year not to just come up with a resolution that just seems like the one you're supposed to make, but what will you resolve to do, to follow Jesus in this new year? 
What will you fix in your mind and plan so that you can follow through successfully? Right? It doesn't have to be something big, you know, but you got to start with something, you know? It could just be, hey, I, I want to spend more time in prayer. I want to make a plan, you know, to pray, I don't know, before you go to bed, first thing when you wake up in the morning, right when you get back from work or from school. I, I don't know what, what it's going to be, but friends, if we just let our minds and our flesh lead, it's just going to be the default, right? And in many ways, we don't even, like, like it's not really a question that we ask. It's just what we do, right? And, and that's what a lot of us are, 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 are living through, is that sometimes you go through a week and you're like, how did I get to where I am now? It just seems like just things happen. Right? I just kind of automatically did things. And of course, your flesh and your mind are going to just take over. It's the autopilot, right? And in moments like this, this is part of the reason why I think we go to church, to kind of pause and say, is that really what we want? Is that what we want to do, right? Do we really choose the life that we have and choose the things that we do? You know, maybe we need to resolve to do different. Maybe we need to plan it. Maybe we need to schedule it. It's part of the reason why we have like, things like small groups. You can have accountability partners. You can have people who can check in on you. Hey, I remember you said that you wanted to do this thing for the kingdom of God, that you wanted to pray more, or you wanted to be more generous, or you wanted to forgive that person uh, that, that you've had this, this, this problem with for years. How's that going? How can I pray for you? Right? All of these different things. It is one way to get into the stream of the kingdom of God, the stream of these blessings, where this is really what you were made for, right? But in many ways, if we don't resolve to do it, if we don't make a decision to do it, right, then in many ways, I think the autopilot of the flesh and the mind just seeking that comfort, that security, that pleasure, the path of least resistance, it's just going to kind of take over. And so, friends, what I want to do right now and uh, Hadam, whenever you're ready, you don't have to come up right away. But let's just take a moment. Um, we're not going to write New Year's resolutions per se, but maybe there's one thing that you can resolve in your mind, in your heart. You could write yourself a note in, in, in your phone. I don't know. You could do something. And, and maybe you don't make a decision right now. Maybe this isn't something that we can just manufacture in this moment and say, just do it now. But friends, maybe we can just take some time to give it some thought, to give that space, right? Pause. Pause from all the stuff of this world. Why? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is it that we really want? What is one thing that you can resolve to do? To pursue the kingdom of God. To follow Jesus in this new year. So friends, would you join me? You guys can close your eyes. You can take deep breaths. You can just take a moment of silence. You can pray. But take a moment to think about that. What will you resolve to do to follow Jesus? And why? Is it what you truly want? Do we know in our heart of hearts that following Jesus is better than anything that this world can give? Jesus was confident of that. He's like, hey, I know you're going to have to give these things up, but I'm making no apologies for that because I'm offering you something eternal and lasting, something that's going to give you purpose, right? There's real substance here.
So as we continue to pray and ponder, friends, uh, whenever you're ready, if you could just rise and join us uh, in this response song.